0: Chapters nineteen through twenty two, Book Four, Volume One of La d'Arthur. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ellen Wright. La Mort d'Arthur, Volume One by Sir Thomas Mallory. Book Four, Chapters Nineteen through Twenty Two. Chapter Nineteen. How Sir Marhaus, Sir Gawain, and Sir Awain met three damsels, and each of them took one. Now shall every each of us choose a damsel. I shall tell you, said Sir Awain, I am the youngest and most weakest of you both. Therefore I will have the eldest damsel, for she hath seen much, and can best help me when I have need, for I have most need of help of you both. Now, said Sir Marhaus, I will have the damsel of thirty winter age, for she falleth best to me. "'Well,' said Sir Gawain, I thank you, "'for ye have left me the youngest and the fairest, "'and she is most liefest to me. "'Then every damsel took her knight by the reins of his bridle, "'and brought him to the three ways. "'And there was their oath made to meet at the fountain "'that day twelvemonth, and they were living. "'And so they kissed and departed, "'and each knight set his lady behind him. "'And Sir Gawain took the way that lay west, "'and Sir Marhaus took the way that lay south, "'and Sir Gawain took the way that lay north.' Now will we begin at Sir Gawain, that held that way, till that he came unto a fair manor, where dwelled an old knight and a good householder, and there Sir Gawain asked the knight if he knew any adventures in that country. "'I shall show you some to mourn,' said the old knight, and that marvellous. So on the morn they rode into the forest of adventures to a land, and thereby they found a cross, and as they stood and hoved, there came by them the fairest knight and the seemliest man that ever they saw, making the greatest dole that ever man made.' And then he was ware of Sir Gawain, and saluted him, and prayed God to send him much worship. As to that, said Sir Gawain, Gramercy, also I pray to God that he send you honour and worship. Ah, said the knight, I may lay that aside, for sorrow and shame cometh to me after worship. Chapter 20 How a knight and a dwarf strove for a lady And therewith he passed unto the one side of the lawn and on the other side saw Sir Gawain ten knights that hoved still and made them ready with their shields and spears against that one knight that came by Sir Gawain. Then this one knight aventured a great spear, and one of the ten knights encountered with him, but this woeful knight smote him so hard that he fell over his horse's tail. So the same dolorous knight served them all, that at the least way he smote down horse and man, and all he did with one spear. And so when they were all ten on foot, They went to that one knight, and he stood stone still, and suffered them to pull him down off his horse, and bound him hand and foot, and tied him under the horse's belly, and so led him with them. O Jesus, said Sir Gawain, this is a doleful sight, to see the yonder knight so to be entreated, and it seemeth by the knight that he suffereth them to bind him so, for he maketh no resistance. No, said his host, that is truth, for an he would they all were too weak so to do him. Sir, said the damsel unto Sir Gawain, Meseemeth it were your worship to help that dolorous knight, for methinketh he is one of the best knights that ever I saw. I would do for him, said Sir Gawain, but it seemeth he will have no help. Then, said the damsel, methinketh ye have no lust to help him. Thus as they talked, they saw a knight on the other side of the lawn, all armed save the head, and on the other side there came a dwarf on horseback, all armed save the head, with a great mouth and a short nose, and when the dwarf came nigh he said where is the lady should meet us here and therewithal she came forth out of the wood and then they began to strive for the lady for the knight said he would have her and the dwarf said he would have her will we do well said the dwarf yonder is a knight at the cross let us put it both upon him and as he deemeth so shall it be i will well said the knight and so they went all three unto sir gawain and told him wherefore they strove well sirs said he Will ye put the matter in my hand? Yea, they said both. No damsel, said Sir Gawain, ye shall stand betwixt them both, and whether ye list better to go to, he shall have you. And when she was set between them both, she left the knight and went to the dwarf, and the dwarf took her and went his way singing, and the knight went his way with great mourning. Then came there two knights all armed, and cried on high, Sir Gawain, knight of King Arthur's, make thee ready in all haste, and joust with me. So they ran together, that either fell down, and then on foot they drew their swords, and did full actually. Then meanwhile the other knight went to the damsel, and asked her why she abode with that knight, and if ye would abide with me, I will be your faithful knight. And with you will I be, said the damsel, for with Sir Gawain I may not find in mine heart to be with him. For now here was one knight discomfited ten knights, and at the last he was cowardly led away, and therefore let us go whilst they fight, And Sir Gawain fought with that other knight long, but at the last they accorded both. And then the knight prayed Sir Gawain to lodge with him that night. So as Sir Gawain went with this knight, he asked him, What knight is he in this country that smote down the ten knights? For when he had done so manfully, he suffered them to bind him hand and foot, and so led him away. Ah, said the knight, that is the best knight I trow in the world, and the most man of prowess. And he hath been served so as he was even more than ten times. And his name hight Serpellius, and he loveth a great lady in this country, and her name is Etard. And so when he loved her, there was cried in this country a great jousts three days, and all the knights of this country were there, and gentlewomen. And who that proved him the best knight should have a passing good sword and a circlet of gold, and the circlet the knight should give it to the fairest lady that was at the jousts? And this knight Sir Serpellius was the best knight that there was, and there were five hundred knights but there was never man that ever sir pellias met withal but he struck him down or else from his horse and every day of three days he struck down twenty knights therefore they gave him the prize and forthwithal he went there as the lady Etard was and gave her the circlet and said openly she was the fairest lady that there was and that would he prove upon any knight that would say nay chapter twenty one how king Pelleas suffered himself to be taken prisoner because he would have a sight of his lady, and how Sir Gawain promised him to get to him the love of his lady. And so he chose her for his sovereign lady, and never to love other but her, but she was so proud that she had scorn of him, and said that she would never love him, though he would die for her. Wherefore all ladies and gentlewomen had scorn of her that she was so proud, for there were fairer than she, and there was none that was there but and Sir Pelleas would have proffered them love that would have loved him for his noble prowess. And so this knight promised the lady Etard to follow her into this country, and never to leave her till she loved him. And thus he is here the most part nigh her, and lodged by a priory, and every week she sendeth knights to fight with him. And when he hath put them to the worse, then will he suffer them wilfully to take him prisoner, because he would have a sight of this lady." "'And always she doth him great despite, "'for sometimes she maketh her knights "'to tie him to his horse's tail, "'and some to bind him under the horse's belly, "'thus in the most shamefulest ways "'that she can think he is brought to her, "'and all she doth it, "'for to cause him to leave this country, "'and to leave his loving. "'But all this cannot make him to leave, "'for an he would have fought on foot "'he might have had the better of the ten knights "'as well on foot as on horseback. "'Alas,' said Sir Gawain, "'it is great pity of him, and after this night I will seek him to-morrow, in this forest, to do him all the help I can. So on the morn Sir Gawain took his leave of his host Sir Cardos, and rode into the forest, and at the last he met with Sir Pelias, making great moan out of measure, so each of them saluted other, and asked him why he made such sorrow. And as it is above rehearsed, Sir Pelias told Sir Gawain, But always I suffer her knights to fare so with me as ye saw yesterday, trust, at the last to win her love. For she knoweth well, all her knights should not lightly win me, and me list to fight with them to the uttermost. Wherefore, and I loved her not so sore, I had leaf her die an hundred times, and I might die so oft, rather than I would suffer that despite. But I trust she will have pity upon me at the last, for love causeth many a good knight to suffer to have his intent. But alas, I am unfortunate." And therewith he made so great dole and sorrow, that Anethy he might hold him on horseback. Now, said Sir Gawain, leave your mourning, and I shall promise you by the faith of my body to do all that lieth in my power to get you the love of your lady, and thereto I will plight you my troth. Ah, said Sir Pellias, of what court are ye? Tell me, I pray you, my good friend. And then Sir Gawain said, I am of the court of King Arthur, and his sister's son, and King Lot of Orkney was my father, and my name is Sir Gawain. And then he said, My name is Sir Pellias, born in the isles, and of many isles I am lord. And never have I loved lady nor damsel till now in an unhappy time. And, Sir Knight, since ye are so nigh cousin unto King Arthur, and a king's son, therefore betray me not, but help me. For I may never come by her, but by some good knight. For she is in a strong castle here, fast by within this four-mile. And over all this country she is lady of and so I may never come to her presence, but as I suffer her knights to take me. And but if I did so, that I might have a sight of her, I had been dead long or this time. And yet fair word had I never of her, but when I am brought for her, she rebuketh me in the foulest manner. And then they take my horse and harness, and put me out of the gates, and she will not suffer me to eat nor drink. And always I offer me to be her prisoner, but that she will not suffer me, for I would desire no more what pains soever I had, so that i might have a sight of her daily well said sir gawain all this shall i amend and ye will do as i shall devise i will have your horse and your armour and so will i ride under her castle and tell her that i have slain you and so shall i come within her to cause her to cherish me and then i shall do my true part that ye shall not fail to have the love of her chapter 22 how sir gawain came to the lady atard and how sir pellias found them sleeping and therewith Sir Gawain plight his troth unto Sir Pellias to be true and faithful unto him. So each one plight their troth to other, and so they changed horses and harness, and Sir Gawain departed, and came to the castle whereas stood the pavilions of this lady without the gate. And as soon as Atard had espied Sir Gawain, she fled in toward the castle. Sir Gawain spake on high, and bade her abide, for he was not Sir Pellias. I am another knight that have slain Sir Pellias. Do off your helm, said the Lady attired, that I might see your visage. And so when she saw that it was not Sir Pellias, she bade him alight and led him unto her castle, and asked him faithfully whether he had slain Sir Pellias. And he said her yea, and told her his name was Sir Gawain of the court of King Arthur, and his sister's son. Truly, said she, that is great pity, for he was a passing good knight of his body, but of all men alive I hated him most, for I could never be quit of him, and for ye have slain him, I shall be your woman, and to do anything that might please you. So she made Sir Gawain good cheer. Then Sir Gawain said that he loved a lady, and by no means she would love him. She is to blame, said Etard, and she will not love you. For ye that be so well-born a man, and such a man of prowess, there is no lady in the world too good for you. Will ye, said Sir Gawain, promise me to do all that ye may, by the faith of your body, to get me the love of my lady?' "'Yea, sir,' said she, "'and that I promise you by the faith of my body. "'Now,' said Sir Gawain, "'it is yourself that I love so well. "'Therefore I pray you, hold your promise. "'I may not choose,' said the Lady Etard, "'but if I should be forsworn.' "'And so she granted him to fulfil all his desire. "'So it was then in the month of May "'that she and Sir Gawain went out of the castle "'and supped in a pavilion, "'and there was made a bed, "'and there Sir Gawain and the Lady Etard "'went to bed together.' and in another pavilion she laid her damsels, and in the third pavilion she laid part of her knights, for then she had no dread of Sir Pellias, And there Sir Gawain lay with her in that pavilion two days and two nights, and on the third day, in the morning early, Sir Pellias armed him, for he had never slept since Sir Gawain departed from him, for Sir Gawain had promised him by the faith of his body to come to him under his pavilion by that priory within the space of a day and a night." Then Sir Pellias mounted upon horseback, and came to the pavilions that stood without the castle, and found in the first pavilion three knights in three beds, and three squires lying at their feet. Then went he to the second pavilion, and found four gentlewomen lying in four beds. And then he yeaned to the third pavilion, and found Sir Gawain lying in bed with his lady Etard, and either clipping other in arms, and when he saw that his heart well-nigh brast for sorrow, and said, Alas, that ever a knight should be found so false, And then he took his horse, and might not abide no longer, for pure sorrow. And when he had ridden nigh half a mile, he turned again, and thought to slay them both. And when he saw them both, so lie sleeping fast, unless he might hold him on horseback for sorrow, and said thus to himself, Though this knight be never so false, I will never slay him sleeping, for I will never destroy the high order of knighthood. And therewith he departed again. And o'er he had ridden half a mile, he returned again, and thought then to slay them both, making the greatest sorrow that ever man made. And when he came to the pavilions, he tied his horse unto a tree, and pulled out his sword naked in his hand, and went to them there as they lay. And yet he thought it were shame to slay them sleeping, and laid the naked sword overthwart both their throats, and so took his horse and rode his way. And when Sir Pellias came to his pavilions, he told his knights and his squires how he had sped, and said thus to them, For your true and good service ye have done me, I shall give you all my goods, for I will go unto my bed and never arise until I am dead. And when that I am dead, I charge you that ye take the heart out of my body and bear it her betwixt two silver dishes, and tell her how I saw her lie with the false knight Sir Gawain.' Right so Sir Pellias unarmed himself, and went unto his bed, making marvellous dole and sorrow. When Sir Gawain and Ettard awoke of their sleep, and found the naked sword overthwart their throats, then she knew well it was Sir Pellias's sword. Alas, said she to Sir Gawain, ye have betrayed me and Sir Pellias both, for ye told me ye had slain him, and now I know well it is not so, he is alive. And if Sir Pellias had been as uncourteous to you as ye have been to him, ye had been a dead knight, but ye have deceived me, and betrayed me falsely, that all ladies and damsels may beware by you and me. And therewith Sir Gawain made him ready, and went into the forest. So it hapt then that the damsel of the lake, Nimue, met with a knight of Sir Pellias that went on his foot in the forest making great dole, and she asked him the cause. And so the wolf knight told her how his master and lord was betrayed through a knight and a lady, and how he will never arise out of his bed till he be dead. Bring him to me, said she anon, and I will warrant his life, he shall not die for love. And she that hath caused him so to love, she shall be in as evil a plight as he is, or it belong to, for it is no joy of such a proud lady that will have no mercy of such a valiant knight. Anon that knight brought her unto him, and when she saw him lie in his bed, she thought she never saw so likely a knight, and therewith she threw an enchantment upon him, and he fell asleep. And therewhile she rode unto the Lady Etard and charged no man to awake him till she came again. So within two hours she brought the Lady Etard thither, and both ladies found him asleep. Lo, said the damsel of the lake, ye ought to be ashamed for to murder such a knight. And therewith she threw such an enchantment upon her that she loved him sore, that well nigh she was out of her mind. O Lord Jesus, said the Lady Etard, how is it befallen unto me that I love now him that I have most hated of any man alive? That is the righteous judgment of God," said the damsel, and then anon Sir Pellias awaked and looked upon Etard, and when he saw her he knew her, and then he hated her more than any woman alive, and said, "Away, traitress! Come never in my sight!" And when she heard him say so, she wept and made great sorrow out of measure. End of Book Four, Chapters Nineteen through Twenty-Two.